welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Tonight, we are talking diamond pythons with Dan Vermilia from Serpents Online. Uh, we don't get to talk diamond pythons all too much. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about this episode, and uh, it should be good. Uh, Dan has some awesome diamond pythons. Uh, he also works with the Stardust, a.k.a. Reduced Pattern uh, diamond, so we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, and uh, he also is uh, really good at breeding blackheads and walmas, so if there's time, nice. we will hit on that. I know, Owen... Oh, Walnuts are especially on your uh, agenda. Since yeah, you're well, trying to breed them this season. So I got a lock this morning. So you know, I, oh sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm on the right track, I guess. So something's happening. So yeah, yeah. I think I think we were talking when I was over at your house, but I think uh, the trick with uh, walnuts is not so much getting them to produce eggs; it's the eggs going the distance because they can be kind of tricky. So. Listen, uh, I am a very, you know, soft uh, human and can take care of very, like, you know, gingerly take care of these eggs myself and with the utmost care. <laughs> oh, very good, then. Very, yeah, they're very doomed. Good. It's going to be terrible. So, yeah. yeah. We'll see. So, we'll see, though. Um, when I get them, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so, um, uh, as we wait for um, uh, the. Uh, Casey, yeah, he'll be on in one second. I see him. He's on there. I just want to say that um, we were nominated again for um, radio show of the year, podcast of the year, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you want to take a couple seconds uh, to go over to the Reptile Report, and if you like what we do, give us, show us some love. I don't know. Is it possible we could do it three years in a row? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. But it's like it'd be. It would be awesome, and we would be very honored to have it three years in a row. But also, I. I don't think we would be, you know, devastated if uh, another one, one because there are a lot of very good podcasts out there. So yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe we can lock it up for three years in a row, and then. <laughs> You got one, <laughs> I got one. Where do we do? We just send this one to Rob Stone. Yeah, like, what this here? one. So. <laughs> he gets to okay. uh, to put it on his uh, mantle, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, send it over there. All right, that works. So, um, real quick, we're gonna get the uh, we're gonna get Casey on the talk. Uh, give us a quick update for Southern Carpet Fest, which is this weekend. And sadly, yeah. I will not be attending. Um, uh, you finally put the nail in that coffin. All right. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't swing it, you know, so mm. it's what it is. Uh, but yeah. hopefully, uh, next year, uh, I'll be able to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, my work is just too crazy at this moment. So. I would imagine I got yeah. a lot of, you know, tailgating food. Did you this weekend? So, well, yeah, see, I'm, in the process of building the supermarket. So I, oh. I don't have like, customers yet, but yes, yes, that is pretty insane. That's it. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention that. Uh, I have to take that little dig for, for Matt. Um, you don't have to, you, Matt. you don't have to, you really don't. <laughs> yeah. What the hell, Owen? 
Eagles won the I, Super Bowl. <laughs> I, yeah, yes, yes, they did. And I was among very a lot of Eagles friends when they won, and I got to talk to my brother on the phone, and they all took their digs. So trust me, it was it was good. It you guys, uh, it was good. So that was a good game. That yeah. was a good game. You it was a great game. That. It was a really yeah. entertaining game. I even got into it, which is weird. So you know, that's <laughs> it was. Were you it was a good for game. the Eagles, or were you? I was because I hate yeah. Tom Brady okay. with a passion. I, okay. I'm a Steelers fan. I can't root for the Patriots. It can't happen. So. Okay. Too far out from Boston, <laughs> or is Tommy. it Nick Scally that you? Nick Scally, uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick. I, what's that? Yeah. Anybody that I, Nick I, Scally roots for, you can't do it, right? Well, no, no, it's not that. It's. Scally, it, it, yeah. Actually, talk that. I, just some scenario and then you meet him and you're like holy crap it's true so it's, you know and he's hilarious he's definitely on me but uh no i yeah. just there's there's the hatred of it but anyway um gotcha we'll get away from that yeah yeah you're breaking up pretty bad but let's uh bring yeah, casey on real quick and then we'll get dan on um but uh hey casey how's it going hey guys how you been man Pretty good. I was good. just making sure you could hear me. I'm in an area that's not exactly uh, cell phone safe. Oh, not too we got just... oh there's okay. Owen. I thought we lost him again. Cool. So uh, <laughs> this weekend, man. <clears throat> this weekend. Yeah, it uh, is this weekend. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, we're, uh, we're we're getting a little pumped up for it. Okay, cool. But, um... Yeah, Ian told me yesterday the auction is up to $6,500, and it's been okay. going crazy for the last couple hours. I wouldn't surprise me at all if it's uh, 7500 Nice. Awesome. Yeah, so that's doing great. The uh, There's a little bidding war going on with the uh, Daytona table, which I thought you guys were going to get in on, but uh, Rob Stone's got you covered yeah. there, I guess. I well, think, I think doing, Rob Rob's got is voting stuff. for us. <laughs> oh, is he? All right, then. He's going to want to sell the table all along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would happen. Yeah. He figures if he has the ah. table, then it's much easier to get us to go, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he has a point. If there's a table and it's like, hey, just show up, we're probably going to end up going. So that's dangerous. Yeah. That that was pretty cool. Yeah, you guys, part then. yeah. You have uh, some pretty interesting um, auction items. That, that yeah, we've got 80-plus items right now. I've I've Holy lost shit. count at this point. I've kind of uh, got a little busy in the last day or two, and more stuff just kept getting added and added. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, we're trying to hit 10K. That's our goal. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to make it. Cool. So. Well, that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah, very but, cool. Um, yeah, Ian just wanted me to remind uh, you guys that uh, – going to be really warm weather down there. We know you can't make it, but maybe some of you uh, northern guys up there can uh, can swing down and come around. It's been 85 degrees, I think. So Son you want to go bitch. swimming. And... <laughs> it is going to snow go swimming. We three got to seven area. inches tonight, all yeah. right? It's going to snow like three <laughs> to seven inches with ice tonight, all right? So that's annoying as hell that you guys are going to throw that at us. So yeah, it's me. Eighty-five degrees and there's palm trees everywhere. So uh, yeah, we don't like you. We don't like you anymore, Casey. Yeah, we don't like you anymore. (laughs) Now we're not going. I mean, I figured that was that way. (laughs) Now we're not uh, going on principle. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're gonna freeze on principle. 
That's cool. But, um, yeah, we just want to remind people to RSVP for it over at the uh, Southeast Carpet Fest page. Right. Uh, we want to get as many people uh, accounted for as possible so we know who to plan for and, uh, you know, know how to get food and chairs and stuff like that. So if people could go ahead and do that, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Okay. Um, cool. We'll remind people to go over to the auction and uh, keep your bids up so we can hit our 10K goal. Okay. And uh, that's uh, – I think that's all I got right now. I know you guys are trying to get a diamond show going. Yes. We're working <laughs> on it. Man. We got yeah. we, we to get a few diamond shows in at least once or twice a, a season. So. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yep. So uh, this Saturday, uh, I guess just throw at it out one for people again. At 1 o'clock in Cape Coral, Florida, right? Yes, Cape Coral, Florida at uh, Dave Palumbo's house. I okay. think we've got it fixed that it's got the address down on our thing, but I'm going to have to take a look at that for a little while since Dave moved from uh, New York down to Cape Coral. We had uh-huh. it set up that it was in Cape Coral, but then if you click the uh, you know get directions, it took you all the way up to New York. Oh, shoot. So that hopefully we got that fixed. <laughs> <laughs> you said it'd be Florida. Yeah. That's not Wait right. Yeah, that, that's this not good. This is 85 <laughs> degrees, maybe 58. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> so. But, um, okay. yeah, hopefully we get that glitched, fixed up. Okay. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Hopefully we get plenty of pictures, and uh, hopefully you guys yeah, let us know 10K, how it goes. Uh, 10K mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Dave's going to get a uh, like a video thing going on where he's going to interview some people too. So hopefully we get a good video up from the event okay. for you guys to be able to awesome. check out and uh, plan next year's. Yeah, uh, next year I will be there for sure, no doubt. Okay. I'm a maybe. I'm always a maybe. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you don't ever get <laughs> solid commitments out of me. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I was trying to make the Northeast this year, and I, I found out I'm not going to be able to. Ah, so that's, that's that the next sucks. year maybe for me too. It's it's okay. All right. Well, there's always we're next doing year, them, right? so might as well, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. eventually make it to one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess next week one of you guys can pop on and tell us uh, some of the uh, shenanigans oh, yeah. that went on, and uh, you know, uh, catches up on uh, all the all the cool stuff that that happened and if you hit that 10k mark and all numbers that stuff. yeah so cool okay cool, man. yeah i'm sure we'll be uh there'll be a lot of stories to tell and stuff like that so uh yeah make for an interesting <laughs> little thing to come in for but uh yeah i'm gonna have to go in a minute so i'll talk to you guys later okay, okay? All, all right, right casey thanks for all right bye see you man all right owen uh yeah, uh, we got Dan on the line, so let's get this going and cool. talk some diamond python. Hello, Dan. Welcome to Murray Python Radio. How you doing? Hello, guys. Coming to you live from Patriots Country. Oh, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Congratulations on your victory. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was a hell well, of a game. Well man. deserved. Yeah, that yeah. was a hell of a game. Are you guys oh. still partying down there? Well, well yeah. this, this, they are. Yeah, I'm good, but <laughs> everybody else is. You would have is. thought it was the 4th of July around my house. I'm like, what the heck really? is going on? There's like fireworks mm-hmm. and like, oh People my dancing God. in the streets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people taking street signs. Yeah, so that was 
something to worry about. But yeah, it was uh, apparent. The city's still here, and that's all we ever really wanted. So don't don't burn it down. Yeah, that's all we asked for. So and they're all talking about the parade and how horrible that's going to be. So uh, I will not be going anywhere near the city on Thursday to avoid all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah, Philly's <laughs> a good great advice. town. <laughs> yeah. We so, we we've cool. enjoyed it. So um, let's uh, let's talk some snakes and reptiles. Um, Dan, what what got you into uh, reptiles in general? Uh, like, what was the first thing to get you started? <laughs> uh, probably dinosaurs. <laughs> All right. uh, you know, as a little kid, I was uh, really into dinosaurs, and I used to. Uh, read about them and draw pictures of them. And um, then when I got a little older, I discovered uh, reptiles. I always uh, had a curiosity about nature, and uh, my father uh, would take me uh, hunting with him out in the woods and go hiking, and so he really uh, gave me an appreciation for the natural world, and he caught my first... Uh, garter snake for me and handed it to me and that was it so um, (laughs) then as I got a little older um, my buddy and I used to ride our bikes around and 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 catch snakes and you know put on our hip waders and go out in swamps and find garter Mm -hmm. um, water snakes and so forth and um, it just progressed from there and um, yeah that was basically the way it started Cool. So, what brought you to uh, to want to work with diamond pythons out of everything else that's out there? Hmm. Um, probably their the way they look, their beauty. Um, mm-hmm. I can still remember the first time I saw one in person. It was at a White Plains show, probably back in the late '90s, and um, I walked in there, and there was an incredible diamond python in this acrylic an adult diamond python in this acrylic display. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was 100% diamond. It may have been a, a jungle diamond, I'm not sure. But nevertheless, right. it, it really, um, I, I was blown away by it. And uh, also on that same day, I saw my first black-headed python uh, in <laughs> the flesh, a guy named Joe Robeson, um, who um, passed away. He had a a breeding facility called Living Jewels, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know if you remember that name or not, Living Jewels, but uh, he That's had familiar. yeah, he had um, black-headed pythons and womas. He was one of the first guys to uh, really breed those, and um, yeah, so you could say in that one trip to that White Plains show, I was exposed to uh, to uh, the great <laughs> Australian stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, in the same sense. No, if you them at the White Plains show, who who knows what the hell your collection would be right now? I mean, God. So, um, <laughs> is there are there certain bloodlines that you work with uh, when it comes to uh, the diamonds as well as uh, your other stuff, like your blackheads? Are there you kind of only work with some certain bloodlines? Yeah, I only work with uh, in terms of diamonds. I only work with um, San Diego Zoo and Riverbank Zoo um, animals that I acquired from. Gary Valle, probably 16, 17 years ago. Um, I spent a lot of time talking to him, many hours on the phone, and uh, he taught me a lot about keeping them. And um, I made some mistakes along the way, like everyone. Um, But uh, 
that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the main ones uh, in terms of bloodlines for diamonds that I keep. In terms of blackheads, uh, I keep only the western form. Okay. Um, and those uh, are Gergen and Lazic animals. I, uh, I acquired those through um, Joe Lewis at Rare Earth, also probably about 17 years ago, 16, 17 years ago. Okay. We'll have um, uh, my original animals from him. Wow. So they're they're uh, so they're producing regularly, well into their teens. Uh, not well. The male is. Uh, I give okay. the female some time off. She's hit or miss sometimes, um, but I did acquire a second um, Western female through uh, Matt Turner a few years later. So she's my backup. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, are there any when it comes to the diamond bloodlines? Are there any bloodlines that you would kind of shy away from a little bit? That I would shy away from. The ones that you wouldn't really go to your collection, aside from the ones that you. Yeah, well, I, the yeah, ones I mean, that you have, work with and the ones that you don't. Um, you know, I just need to be able to verify their origin and uh, mm-hmm. buy from reputable people. Um, I also have some of that Cypress Creek bloodline um, that, that I have. I have not bred those animals yet, though. But, okay. um, you know. Uh, What's the I story only, with uh, those guys, with Cypress Creek? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the mysterious Cypress Creek animals. Uh, my understanding is um, a fellow in, in one of the Daytona shows had some at a table, and um, uh, the fellow there at Cypress Creek, his name escapes me at the moment, he acquired them. And um, but in terms of their actual origin, I, you know, I, I don't know where they came from. There's a bit of a mystery behind them. They just sort of showed up over here. Ah, so. gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know that. One of those. Yeah. But, uh, okay, I've heard different stories about their origin. So, and I'm sure there's probably everybody's got a different one. So, um, when it comes to, do you have any tips for tracking down? Like, if you were to try to, um, if somebody were to offer you a diamond python, do you have any tips to how you would track down, figuring out if it is a pure bloodline or if it's a pure animal? I would ask, you know, who the the, the parents, the adults you know, where they came from and try to trace that back and contact that person and go back as far as I could, uh, get photos of them and, um, you know, see if you could, uh, corroborate the info. And, um, yeah, you know, you can't, it's hard to tell by looking at them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't rely on that hundred percent, but, um, you know, there are certain people that have been keeping diamonds a long time and, you know, they have a reputation, um, in the hobby, and those are the ones I would generally seek out because they could tell you the most about their their history of their animals. Have you gotten to the point now where you can kind of stare at an animal and maybe kind of see if uh, if it's pure or not, or are you still kind of fooled by some of the higher percentage jungle diamonds? Oh, yeah, you can get fooled by them. Um, you know, even photos of wild-caught ones. You know, you look at him and say, "Geez, you know, if that was at a rep, if that was at a reptile show, and you put a diamond label on it, you know, people would walk away from you, or they would start yelling at you or something." But you know, especially as, like you can't make it, yeah. So, especially as you go further north in their range, 
you know, as you get up into that integrate zone, um, you know, they start looking more like a coastal. But, um, yeah, you know, still, they're the real deal. They're still a diamond, I guess. But, um, but no, to answer your question, I, you know, I wouldn't bank on being able just to identify a pure diamond by looking at it. But, you know, there are some that are, uh, show more of the traits in terms of high yellow speckling and the small rosettes uh, down the back and um, on the blotches on, you know, their flanks and so forth. But um, you, you really want to know the background of that animal, who produced it, where it came from, and go back as far as you can. Can uh, can you give us a little brief kind of overview of uh, the, the the where these guys have come from, where where diamonds, you know, have come from, what what their ranges are like, uh, what their environment is like. Um, well, they come from they come from coastal New South Wales. Um, they're the, the southernmost point in their range starts in uh, Victoria, uh, the very far far eastern tip of Victoria. Uh, called Gippsland, and then it, it goes all the way up the coast um, through Illawarra and Eden, through uh, Sydney, of course, and uh, up a little bit beyond uh, Newcastle area. Um, I, I I did herp there uh, for about a day and a half um, wow. in the uh, in the area near uh, John Weigel's uh, reptile park there, the Australian reptile park. Um, you know, he's, his place is right in the middle of diamond, uh, country. So, mm-hmm. uh, I went to his place for one morning and then the afternoon I went out and I explored around the area. I went through, uh, Orimba and Gosford and, um, uh, Lisa Rowe and, uh, all around that area. It's beautiful country. It's uh, right on the coast. It's pretty spectacular. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's hilly, uh, rocky, uh-huh. you know, very rocky. Um, and you stand there and you, you look up at this hill of rocks and you just say, you know, Holy Christ, they could be anywhere in here. You know, it's, it's just, you know, um, there's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Oh my yeah. God, there's like a, a million hiding places just in this one rock slide. You know, it's, um, but, uh, the, you know, here I am out in the woods, uh, in, in the, you know, the woods looking for them. The meanwhile, people are probably just finding them in their yards while they're mowing the lawn. Mm. So, um, surprisingly, they, they, they're they very adaptable, and they actually prefer being around uh, disturbed habitat in the summer. That's where, you know, people throw their litter and put out garbage, which, you know, rats come along and other varmints, and that's what diamonds like to eat, and that's where they hang out primarily in the summers around human habitats. But, um, um, yeah. This. But it's basically a uh, dry sclerophyll forest, um, um, you know, eucalyptus. And as you go further north out of Sydney, it becomes uh, a little more like rainforest-like. Not rainforest, but more subtropical. Gotcha. But, um, um, it's it's beautiful country, and um, I highly recommend going down there and seeing it for yourself. Um, it gets very cold. <laughs> Um, I wasn't there in the winter. Um, I wasn't in that area in the winter. However, a few years ago, I was in Melbourne, uh, Mm -hmm. which is about 300 miles east, or excuse me, west of of the southernmost point in their range. I was there uh, in late October, early November, and it was cold at night. It was downright cold. You needed a jacket. 
and uh, Melbourne is also on the ocean, you know, like their habitat. So uh, it gets cold there. Like but, when um, you say cold, time to go back. Fifties, like sixties. Yeah. When you were there. Yeah, like if, maybe like forties, fifties. Whoa. Um, at okay. night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's in the winter. Yeah. Wow. Gee. Okay. Did you ever find a diamond python, or is it one of those you have to go back because it, you still haven't been able to check? Yes, I have to go back. I unfortunately uh, did not find one. Damn. I was only there for about a day and a half on a layover to Alice Springs. Um, uh, so I, I rented a, quickly rented a car, and I tried to cover as much ground as I could. Um, uh, I saw a few skinks and some incredible birds, yeah, but that was about it. I had to get going. When you went to Alice so, Springs, did no. you find any bread lie? <laughs> if I told you what happened, you probably wouldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> all right <laughs> do tell so, um, yeah <laughs> okay so this is my first this is my first herping trip to australia okay my first time in alice springs never i don't know what to expect so i'm i get there i'm alone i get there and i'm staying at this place called uh the ross river homestead which is in the McDonald Ranges uh, east of Alex, Alice Springs. And um, I drove out there in the afternoon. It's incredible. The McDonald Ranges are beautiful. And um, so I get there, I get settled in, and then I'm going to go out. It's starting to get, you know, sun's starting to go down. I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's go see. I'm, I'm ready to try this. And so <laughs> I go down the Ross Highway right after dusk. First pass, I go down. I'm like, okay, let me turn around and go back. I loop, I turn back as I'm heading back east near, I'm coming up on this turnoff to uh, Trofina Gorge, which is a, a national park area there. And right there in the road in front of me is like a five-foot bretelai. No, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> and I couldn't believe, I hit the brakes so hard in my car, like all the gear in the back seat went flying <laughs> forward. Hit me in the back of the head. All the stuff ends up on the dashboard. I'm like fumbling to put the car in, in park, and meanwhile the <laughs> thing is moving. And I'm trying to grab my headlamp and all this stuff, and I'm like falling out of the car. And I run up to it and I pick it up, and it was just incredible. It uh, had a scar on its tail, uh, so it's probably a male. Um, I just marveled at it. I was godsmacked. I couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, took some photos and let it go. Cool. Wow. That's a, that was my that's first, a hell of a start. Yeah, that geez. was the first snake I ever caught in Australia, and yeah, it was just like holy crap! Wow. Damn, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh. Awesome. All right, well, um, let's talk about how you keep these guys. So, diamond pythons are for people that don't know. Uh, I think this is one of the things that people get scared of with diamond pythons that they're not hard. They're just different than other carpets. So maybe you can break down like your normal keeping regimen for these guys. Probably uh, to sum it up, the easiest way I could describe keeping them is to keep them like a colubrid, uh, keep okay. them like a king, a king snake or a milk snake. Um, in other words, 
they don't really need to get any hotter than 85 in a basking spot. That's like the highest you want to go. Okay. Um, and it's very, very important to cool them down in the winter. That is okay. key. Um, you want to get them down to, you know, between 55 and 60. Um, even lower is better. You know, the kind of winter we had this year, uh, the lowest temp I recorded in um, the room where I cool them down, it's like it was like 52 or 53. Okay. Um, when I cool mine down, uh, I put them all in one enclosure with uh, a tote with a hole in it. And uh, I have a basking light in there, and uh, I have a radiant heat panel. Uh, basking light comes on, you know, about 8 o'clock. And then an hour or two later, the, um, the, the heat panel kicks on. And I use the, um, the Herbstat 2 uh, thermostat from Spider Robotics. Right. So there's, a ramp, there's a ramping feature on that that I use to right. fully ramp up the heat <clears throat> on the uh, heat panel. Okay. And uh, the heat panel shuts off. I shut off the heat panel. Probably, it kicks on about 9.30 or so, and I have it kick off at about 2, 3 o'clock. Um, and that it, it, I set it to, you know, like 85 or so, 84, 85 for a few hours. Um, and then, then the heat panel kicks off and the light kicks off and that's it. So, uh, in fact, this weekend I'm going to be probably bringing them up and moving them back into, uh, the regular room. So, um, and the, the other important thing is not to overfeed them. Um, I give mine, you know, very uh, small meals, and the biggest meal they get is maybe a medium-sized rat, like once a month, frozen thawed. Um, okay. And just grow them up slow. Uh, males, you can breed them, you know, at about two and a half, three years old, but females, you got to give them more time, probably at least another year to get up to size. Um, in the summer, um, again, you know, like I said, you do, the heat goes on at a maximum to like 85 and then they just shut off. You don't even need heat on them at night. Just, okay. You know, it, it, in the summer, when it gets warm in the room, the ambient temperature in my room is probably 75, 80 or so. There's okay. a, a window in there when I can, you know, I can put up, you know, push the window open, crack it open in the summer, leave it open pretty much all summer. But, okay. Um, um, like I said, the heat can just turn off completely um, by like five, six o'clock. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> do you do you do that for your, you know, like the hatchlings as well, and you know, juveniles and um, hatchlings? No, I keep them, you know, warm. I don't cool them down till their second winter. Okay. Um, and, and even that cooling down that second winter is not like a full blown, you know, cooling down like I do for the adults. It's, you know, it's sort of in between. It's a little little subtler you know it's not i wouldn't put them in that really cold area yet uh, i did lose one or two um early on when i was keeping them years ago to uh, I, I cooled them down too much and they were young okay so um uh, yeah but you can uh, the, when they're juveniles you know uh, i would not cool them down too much and um just feed them sparingly through the winter but uh, like I said, the second winter, you can cool them down a little bit, and then by the third, you can really cool them down 
emphasize on. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> why do you, I'm curious why you do the basking and the radiant heat panel? Just the basking light is more is, is oh. hotter and. Oh, I should clarify. I should clarify. Yeah. The light, it just gives off light. It just gives off some UVB. It doesn't give oh, off okay. heat. Gotcha. All right. Okay. So it, it does nothing but just give off light. And the heat panel does the work in terms of heating up the enclosure. The enclosures okay. I use are animal plastics. Um, it's their, I think it's their A20 enclosure, I think. It's basically uh, four feet long uh, by three feet tall by two feet deep. Okay. And uh, I put branches in there and the radiant heat panel. Um, I have, to be honest, I have not, I don't use UV light on my diamonds. Um, But I think I'm going to start doing that. Um, Okay. I've acquired acquired some uh, mega ray mercury, uh, one of those mercury vapor bulbs. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm going to start using those just to try it out, see what happens. But I have, I have diamonds in their teens that have never had UV light, and um, they still breed fine and stuff. Um, right. So that's why I say I think what's really key is more of that cool down in the winter. Um, the UVB, I'm sure, is helpful. Uh-huh. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, but I, I don't think it's the silver bullet. Um, okay. I think I'm going to start, you know, like I said, using those uh, mercury vapor bulbs. Huh. Okay. Cool. Um, Just to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> and I also have, uh, I built an outdoor enclosure um, for them. Uh, in the summer, I'll take them out and uh, just put them in this, this screen, this simple screen box that I made with uh, one side of it has some covering for them to go in the shade and there's an area where they can lay out and bask with a shelf in there and so forth. I'll put them out there for like an hour or two. That's cool. Yeah. Do you notice any behavioral differences with them when you do that? Um, not too much. They, you know, they seem to, you know, just, they're very curious sniffing around in there and, uh, some will, you know, just really lay in there and just really absorb all that sunlight. Some of them okay. will, you know, go stay in the shady part, like under the shelf. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing really that different compared to keeping them in their normal enclosure. Okay. And I noticed you said perching. You know, it seems that diamonds seem to be, at least in my experience, the most arboreal of my carpets. Is that mm-hmm. is that pretty standard for diamond pythons? Um, well, I find mine are, are pretty arboreal. They take advantage of the branches probably because, you know, that heat panel is up on top and they want to get closer to it. So they, right. they get under it on the branch. Whereas if they're on the floor, um, the, the heat panel, uh, you know, doesn't quite reach that far for them to really benefit from it so much. So I think they like to get up on the branch a little closer to it. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that, um, they're they're quite arboreal when they want to be. Okay. And as far as um, babies and yearlings, you're keeping them in uh, like tubs, or you put them in cages? Yeah, shoe boxes. Yeah, okay. shoe boxes when when they first you know when they first come out of the egg when they first hatch. Um, and you know just a simple hide in a water bowl and just keep them on folded paper towels and um, yeah. 
I also uh, uh, I, I did a lot of maternal incubation with diamonds. Nice. And uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I had uh, coastal carpets uh, long mm-hmm. ago. Um, uh-huh. In fact, I was one of the first guys to um, have jaguars over here. Um, That's cool. So so I had some normal sibs uh, from you know normal sib jaguars that I imported. Uh-huh. And um, when I bred those, uh, it was easy. <laughs> I just put them <laughs> in the incubator, and <laughs> breeding coastals was was a snap. I was like, "Wow, this is pretty simple." You know, so I said, right. "Well, let me try it with diamond eggs." So I, you know, by the time I had my diamonds up to size, I got my first clutch. I put them in the incubator, basically set them up the same way. And the whole thing just went bad. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Well, <laughs> so. Uh, um, so I, you know, I, I I bombed out a couple of times trying incubation, and Gary Vie was giving me tips, and I would do my best to follow what he's telling me, but I just wasn't, you know, maybe I get one or two sometimes. But then, so then, let me try maternal incubation, and mm-hmm. uh, that's that's pretty nerve wracking if you've never done it. Um, <laughs> uh, I have not, yeah. which is yeah, why yeah, I'm I found too it nervous to do it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Because you don't know if you're keeping the female too hot, or if you you know let her do the work, and then you're like moving the the tote back and forth under the heat panel, and it was just like after a while, you know, you just like just leave her alone, just let her do it, and um, mm-hmm. she did, and uh, the a lot of them hatched out, like over twenty. Uh, I did that several times, oh. and uh, so she knew clearly what she was doing better than I did, obviously. So. Um, but would I do it again? Uh, I don't think I would. I think it taxes the female too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, it, it really, it does. And um, I don't know if I would do it again. Uh, I, I think I'm going to try putting them in the incubator next time. And uh, I think uh, everyone will benefit from that. <laughs> Everybody will have a better time. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um- <laughs> I'm curious, have you ever tempt gun um, one of your animals, uh, whether it's uh, when they're basking or like in some of the cold, uh, like on a cold night? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what, what have you found? They, they retain that heat pretty, pretty well, right? Um, yeah, usually by the time uh, I come home and I, I tempt gun them, like in the winter, they're, they're pretty cool. They're down in the 50s. Oh, okay. um, they're usually a you know a degree or two above ambient, um, and they're you know they're usually tightly coiled um, to, to conserve that heat. Um, right. But uh, yeah, they're always it seems like a degree or two above ambient. Okay. Have you had any um, issues with what? "Quote unquote diamond python syndrome." Have you seen that? Have you had any thoughts on that, or is that just uh, improper keeping, in your opinion? It is improper keeping, I would say. Um, uh, I do have experience with it. I have lost animals to it, um, and in fact, I lost uh, a female this year um, to I, what I believe is diamond python syndrome. Um, okay, she was she was an old, older animal, and. Uh, uh, I just think, you know, over time things just caught up to her. Um, but I have uh, an old male; he seems to be doing fine. But uh, yeah, I have I have had experience with it. It happens. Um, so, uh, like I said, I think really keeping them cooler is key, and um, just really watching those temps. But um, yeah, 
it's the real deal. It can happen to you if you're not careful. Okay. We just had uh kind of jumping ahead to breeding, but um we just had a question pop in from Brandon and he was asking, What temp did you keep your egg box at during maternal incubation? Uh, uh that was another thing that was nerve wracking, you know. You know, hmm. do I am I keeping it too hot? Should I keep it too cold, you know? Um I kept it probably around eighty to eighty four. Um you know, diamonds can, you know, through shivering thermogenesis, they can, uh, you know, raise their body temperature and uh, incubate the eggs, uh, you know, like several degrees above sure. ambient, uh, right. like pretty, pretty significantly above ambient, like 16 degrees or more. So, um, uh, wow. but yeah, I probably, I probably kept. Um, that's insane. Yeah. 16 degrees. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and th- that's what um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Shine's papers. Uh, yeah, he, he did a number of field studies on diamonds. Uh, what's What's great about diamonds is, you know, they're, they're probably one of the most studied pythons out there. And there's a tre- treasure trove of uh, information out there that he uh, published on these snakes. And it's just a matter of people going out there and. Uh, going on Google Scholar and downloading them all and spending time reading them. But, yeah, he did a study um, on, you know, females, um, and they can raise their body temperature pretty significantly. So if it's, you know, if the ambient temperature around the python, let's say, is like 65 degrees, you know, the eggs have to stay about 88 to 89, as we know. So they can raise their body temperature like 20 degrees if they have to, like on a cold night, let's say just before dawn, before the sun uh-huh. comes up, when, when you know, the nighttime temperature is the coolest, they can, um, through shivering thermogenesis, like raise their body temperature pretty significantly. Um, so there have been times when I probably kept that egg box too hot. Uh, uh-huh. Again, but like I said, it was, you're nervous. You don't know what to do. It's like, do I keep it hotter? Do I keep it cooler? You know, it's, but uh, I've had, had success with it, though. Like I said, I've, I've hatched a lot of eggs doing maternal incubation, but um, uh, like I said, I, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. We did it well and we're quick. Tried yeah. it. And, uh, been, yeah. been there, done that, done it. So. <laughs> done yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think in one of those papers, um, they talked about, depending on the season, how they move around from environment to environment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty interesting paper. Um can't remember the name of it, but uh, that was pretty cool, you know. Um, yeah, he put, um, you know, those transmitters in, inside their cavities of like 18 different specimens, and they just tracked them for over a year. He, and he right. did this several times. He's done it with Embricata, too, and probably water pythons and other things he's studying. But uh, I love reading his papers on diamonds. There's quite a few of them, and... Uh, Real interesting stuff in there. And like I said, if you want to get down in the weeds and really drill down and read about this stuff, it's all there for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Owen. You want to talk some breeding? Owen? Did we lose Owen? We lost <laughs> Owen. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> while we wait for Owen to come back in. So maybe, uh, yeah, tell us about like, your approach to uh, to breeding them. Um, so in the sp- 
spring, you know, you start raising the temperature, and um, I'll I'll give the female maybe one more meal uh, before I introduce the male. I, I I typically don't feed the male when he comes out of uh, the uh, cooling. Uh, I may give him a, a small meal, but I typically don't feed him. And I just introduce him uh, to uh, the female, and uh, they do their thing. And, uh, uh, you know, when she uh, lays eggs, I uh, give her a, or she's about to lay eggs, I give her a tote, like one of those big Rubbermaid totes with a hole drilled in top, and I put sphagnum moss in there. And um, she goes in there and hunkers down, and uh, she deposits them. And like I said, with the maternal incubation, I just resist not touching her and doing anything or moving it around and just let her do her thing. And then uh, just keep your fingers crossed. Occasionally I'll mist her down or I'll mist the inside just to raise the humidity a bit because it does get dry in my room. Um, and then in about 50 to 55 days, um, we get babies. Okay. Uh, do you introduce... Uh during the warm-up or do you introduce kind of like, or have you let some pairs just kind of be with each other year round? Um, no, usually I, I keep them separate. Uh, and then I introduce the male into the female's cage in spring. Okay. But if the only time I'll put them together is if I'm short on cage space, which seems I'm always moving things around, but sometimes I'll, I'll keep them together. Um, I'll keep two males together. What's what's great about diamond males is that they don't fight each other. <laughs> so you can keep them together with no problem. Right. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that's basically the way I do it. So uh, when once we get the eggs, uh, I know you said the maternal incubation. How would you go about setting them up in the incubator? Is there any kind of a way that you would do it maybe a little bit differently than the coastal eggs? No, I mean, um, uh, I use the, the plastic wafer board, mm -hmm. um, and I lay those over wet perlite. I get the perlite, um, you know, about the consistency of oatmeal, roughly, um, you know, kind of, uh, very, you know, very damp, almost like oatmeal. Mm -hmm. And then I put uh, one or two layers of that plastic wafer grate over it, and then I would place the eggs on there. Uh, in terms of the container... Um, I would probably only just drill like one or two holes in it on each side and that's it. And then just put a lid on it and, um, set the, uh, incubator to uh, 88 and, uh, just leave it alone. Once in a while, I'll just pop the lid and get some air exchange in there, wipe it down, make sure, um, no, no water droplets land on the eggs. I'd say, are you concerned about, uh, humidity or the water condensation affecting the eggs yeah you I mean you want to they are tolerant they can handle you know, like most carpet eggs they can handle a little bit of dampness if, if some water droplets get on them unlike um black-headed pythons they can't tolerate any wetness at all oh really um, no yeah, very unforgiving um if you get them wet it's it that's it it's over but um yeah. Uh, yeah, the humidity, I keep the humidity up um, on the carpets you know, as high as possible. Same with the blackheads. Um, I try not to replenish the water. I, you know, I just slowly let, you know, you, you want them to dry out a little bit towards the end of the incubation period. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the shells are brittle enough that they can cut through them. Okay. Not, not accumulate too much water. You don't want to do that. So um, now when it comes to the preseason, do you do anything uh, to kind of get your adult animals prepared? Like, uh, do you feed a little bit heavier your females? Do you kind of just, or do you just keep everything the same and now here's a boy? I'm sorry, could you say that again? Pre-season, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Do you do anything kind of to get everybody ready for the breeding season? Do you feed a little bit more? Do you do anything different? Um, in, uh, in terms of diamonds, you know, I, uh, I think I said earlier, you know, I just give them like, I'll give the female like one larger meal when she comes mm-hmm. out of cooling to get her ready just to put a little more mass on her, a little more fat, get her conditioned. Um, but the male, I typically won't feed, or if I do, I give him a very small meal. Uh, I want to keep him lean. Um, that's really the extent of it. And, and I know we, I know we touched on temps a little bit earlier, but uh, what? Hello. I think we lost Owen. <laughs> Owen, <you> hello. There? <laughs> yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. I don't know what he was going to ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am curious about uh yeah he dropped again. Um like uh, when the babies hatch out are they are they difficult to get going? Uh is there any tips that you could give as far as uh getting them going? Um a few in the litter could be holdouts, could be a little stubborn. Um I find that um if you give them a branch, you know, give them a little height in their enclosure, um you know, they they feel uh, you know they feel more comfortable, and uh, they you know you can tease feed them a little bit more. You know, like putting food on forceps and tapping them on you know on the nose if necessary. I mean, if you're not getting results, I mean obviously, first put the food in there. Um, just put it on the floor of the uh, shoebox and see if they take it. But if they don't, what I'll right. do often is take them out take them out of the shoebox and put them in uh, an enclosure that has a little more height to it with some sticks and branches in there. Okay. And uh, I'll leave them in there for a day or two, and they'll sit up more on the perches. And then um, I go in there, you know, usually at night or when it's starting, to, when it's dark in the room. I don't kick the light, bright lights on, and I like to go in there when, when I'm feeding the babies when the room is sort of dark. And then uh, I'll offer them food um, on forceps. Okay. I'll, like tap, tap them on the neck if necessary, and usually that elicits a strike response. Okay. All right. Uh, but sometimes you have to scent. Sometimes, okay. What do you uh, do yeah, for scent? You have to scent them with, <laughs> yeah, like uh, quail down or chicken down. Okay. Yeah. And they seem to take to that pretty well. Sometimes yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes no. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a waiting game. Sometimes you're better off just putting them back in the shoebox, back on the shelf, leave them alone for another week or so, and then try it again. Oh. Gotcha. Okay. So I meant to ask you this when we were talking about keeping, but um, basically when you're going from just your standard, you know, regular season into your breeding season, are you manipulating the length of time of your hotspot at all? Or um, Not really. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll increase the, uh, by an hour or two, I'll increase the hotspot by an hour or two. But my, okay. the room that I keep them in, I mean, the room itself gets warmer overall. You know, it, okay. 
you know, the room cools down in the winter, obviously, and it, and, and it warms up naturally. It stays warmer. The ambient stays warmer in the spring and summer. So gotcha. I, I find I don't have to really manipulate it too, too much. So it's really just you're using the outside temperatures to sort of give that uh, sense of, you know, winter and summer, basically. Yeah, I don't think it has to fluctuate too much to trigger them, you know. They're pretty okay. aware of things. That's that's my take on it. Okay. So, but Do they um, seem to respond to, uh, you know, like uh, pressure fronts and, and, and things like that? Um, I have not noticed that really, but I'm sure they would. If a front was coming, if you were to perhaps put them together, they might breed. Okay. Um, uh, I'm right. sure they would. What about as far as... Um, like, do you just leave the mail in like throughout the rest of the season, or are you pulling them in and out? Um, have you? I'll, I'll leave them in there with, with female. females. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh. rotate the mail around to different females for you know three or four days. Okay. Um, taking them in and out, and um, yeah, that's basically what I do. Okay. All right. Um. And uh, so, yeah, we talked about the babies. Um, yeah, okay. Um, I wanted to hit on, I know that you're working with, uh, you know, the Stardust or Reduced Pattern. Um, you know, what's, can you tell us about the background on the, on that gene? <laughs> is it um, a gene? <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in my experience, it's uh, recessive. It's a recessive trait. Um, okay. I first, I first produced uh, Stardust animals in 2009 from uh, normal adults, non-visual adults. Uh, I did not know they were gene carriers for the Stardust trait, and I was pretty, I was pretty surprised when they came out. Um, several years earlier. Um, uh, Jan Eric Engel in Norway produced um, Stardust uh, Stardust Diamonds. He sent me a photo, and I was like, "Wow, those are really cool! I would love to produce one of those someday, or get my hands on one of those someday." And <laughs> little did I know, a few years later, <laughs> you would produce. I would them? produce one. <laughs> um, so Jan Eric Engel uh, acquired his diamond stock from uh, a fellow in. Uh, Nevada, by the name of Eric Scove. Uh, he has since passed away. But I don't know if you've heard that name, but yes. uh, very, very reputable guy. Um, very um, knowledgeable about herbs. Um, I spent a lot of time talking with him and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, but he had uh, diamonds, um, and he actually produced the first Stardust diamond uh, in this country. But unfortunately, it died. I think that was back in the mid to late 90s. Uh, it, it didn't live long. It died. Um, but anyway, like I said, he sent uh, some of his diamond stock over to Jan Eric in Norway. And uh, that's when he produced uh, – that's when I became aware of them. That was when he uh, produced them and sent me a photo. Right. So, but, um, yeah, so when um, the – the first time I, I, I got them in 2009, the, most of the clutch tanked. <laughs> um, but luckily, uh, the ones that hatched out um, were Stardust. 
And um, so I, I, I bred him again a year or two later, and I, I had a bigger clutch, um, and 25% of the offspring uh, were visuals. And uh, I raised up some of those, and um, two years ago, I bred uh, Stardust to Stardust, and all the babies were Stardust. They were all visuals. Um, and talking with oh, Nick, wow. uh, he believes it's it's also recessive. Um, he uh, likens it to the Stonewash uh, bread alive. Yes. Uh, that's also recessive. So, uh, yeah, and based on my experience, that's what I think it is. It's recessive. So. Okay. But it's beautiful. It's a very beautiful yes. trait. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, you know, jaguar in it. There's, it's, it's all diamonds, pure diamond. And um, there's some pretty spectacular animals uh, that come out of it, with varying degrees of, uh, you know, of showing that trait. Um, some are quite extreme, as you've seen probably. Um, you know, there's some out there that have like, almost like no pattern on the neck. Uh, there's no pattern, almost no color. It's like someone took an eraser and just erased all the the color and pattern around the neck. Um, yeah. And uh, be interesting to uh, perhaps line breed for that and see how far someone could take it. Um, but uh, you know, some of them have pretty ripped up sides in terms of pattern. Um, you know, and when they get bigger, that that side pattern is really beautiful. Um, it almost looks like the Milky Way in a way. It's just really something to see. Um, I love looking at them. You, know, you just come in the room, and they they stop you in their tracks. It's just like wow, those are just oh really yeah. <laughs> I I have a female that's uh, real uh, extreme, I guess you would say. Just like you're saying, like the neck is yellow, and there's like almost no pattern. It's, it's they're they're pretty badass. <laughs> I know yeah. at Carpet Fest that was the favorite of most people. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. yeah. I yeah, to get her cuz I had to pick her up for you in White Plains and I almost just kept her, which, <laughs> you know, that was the worst I've ever have to yeah. drop it off. Yeah. So. So we did have a question pop up about um uh, you know, many people claim that Stardust has been produced by at least four different uh unrelated lines. Do you have any opinion on that? I guess I guess if it's recessive and they're breeding it in, you know, I, they're popping I don't know. up. Yeah. Maybe they combined them somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't have really an opinion on it uh, in terms of how many lines I think there are. I think it's a bit unusual to think that there'd be more than two. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like such an unusual trait for, um, them to carry, but I, I guess it's possible. I don't know. I mean, uh, I've only seen a picture of one Stardust in Australia um, from someone in Australia, and it wasn't even like full Stardust. It was had some influence, but um, I'm right. not aware of. I'm not even. I'm not aware of there being Stardust diamonds in Australia, but there may be. I don't know, but I've never seen photos of them or really seen people talking about them on the Australian forums. But it's possible. But um, in terms of being multiple bloodlines of Stardust, I, I really don't know. I, I can't say. Yeah. The only thing crazy that I've seen in Australia as far as diamonds go is uh, a melanistic where it was, like, completely black, and then uh, that they hatched out red. 
I don't know mm. if you remember seeing that back in the day. Yeah, um, I think I saw a photo of a really high-red baby not too long ago. Yeah. That's cool. Like, really extreme. I, I can probably find a pic somewhere and post it up, but... Yeah, it's like I, I think they turned out to be normal looking as adults, but it was just like wow, I've never seen a diamond like that. Is there um anything that you look for in 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 babies as far as, you know, I don't know, that you would pick out holdbacks? Um anything that stands out to you that's gonna be a killer adult? I don't think I've seen an ugly diamond, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, you know, just pick one. You'll be happy, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> um, right out of the egg, um, it's a little hard to, to tell. Um, I, that's why I think everybody hangs on to them for several months or a year to see how their colors start to come in. Right. But uh, I usually look at the head pattern to see okay. the, degre- the degree of spotting on the on the head scales and you know the markings that you know that are uh, posterior to the eye. They go back around the, the you know the, the temporal area, and you know I'm really into head patterns. I like looking at that stuff. Um, okay. I also look at um, you know the, the lateral blotches, how well defined they are. Um, you know, it's what's kind of cool is you know sometimes the uh, the neck area, the lateral areas are fused together, and so they're like a stripe on the neck. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, you can sort of tell after a few sheds the degree of black borders on the rosettes, um, and how some of those also confuse, uh, fuse with uh, the other rosettes around them. Um, but usually, you don't start to see that that yellow spotting in the scales until you know, they they put on a little more size. So obviously, everybody likes the really high yellow ones, but but there's also people who like high black ones. So. Um, like I yeah. said, usually people just hang on to them for a little while and see how they start to color up before they decide which ones they want to keep <laughs> and sell the rest. Yeah, yeah, it's about my speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hold on them as long as you can and uh, pick the best. You don't want to be uh, mm-hmm. having seller's remorse, you know? <laughs> yes, that's uh, right. It happens. Cool. All right. Um I don't know, Owen. Did you have anything you wanna you wanna jump in and before you get caught nah, off? No, I mean, <laughs> no, nah, I'm right here. I'm right here. Which you know, I may not be here in a second, so I have no idea hell what the hell's going on. But um, <laughs> it, you know, when it when it comes to the stardust, I mean, uh, are are you pursuing anything? Like, are you do you have an ultimate goal to kind of make almost the uh, bald-sided uh, diamond python, or are you just kind of trying to see where it takes you? Um, you know, I, I like, like I said, I think I'd like to uh, see how far I could take that um, that area that's on the neck that looks like it's been erased away, whatever you want to call it, or it's, you know, it's faded away. Um, right. It'd be interesting to see how far that can can go. Um, but there's, you know, there's all kinds of things popping up. I mean, you know, I mean, who would have thought that I would have, you know, produced a stardust diamond out of two normal parents. I mean, that was a yeah. surprise in itself. Um, I see there's a fellow in, in, in Canada, uh, who has, I guess like a calico looking one. That's really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that. 
Yeah, yeah that's um, that one yeah, that was yeah. kind of like pied or people were or saying. pied or calico, yeah. whatever you want to call it, yeah. Right. Um, that, that's interesting. So, you know, who knows how far that will go or start breeding that into uh, some other animals and what we'll get. But to answer your question, no, I'm not really um, shooting for anything particular. I'm just uh, enjoying them. So. Cool. I would, uh, you have they're, they're, they're on my list. Um, once uh, Eric uh, can tempt me with some of his own babies, uh, they'll be on my list. So. <laughs> <laughs> do you have um, – do you have any what, – what do you have going on this season as far as your diamonds go? Well, this year I'm giving the diamonds a year off, so no oh, diamonds okay. this year. Um, I have uh, a gravid uh, western blackhead female, and I still have a bunch of babies from last year. Um, so if anyone's looking for western blackheads, give me a call. Um, and I may have uh, some Womas this year. I think I have a gravid female. Um, in terms of collection compared to your other guests, I, I have a very, very small collection. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have, um, you know, lots and lots of animals. And, and frankly, I, I like to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, more um, smart. Right? Yeah, <laughs> more, more room equals more cages and more animals. So I, I, I keep everything pretty much to one room in my house, and uh, that sort of keeps me in check. Um, because if I had more room, I would definitely have more animals. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the dangerous part. So yeah, um, it's an affliction, definitely. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> when it, when it comes to the blackheads, uh, how do you um, can you walk us through your breeding process with them? Because I know it can be a little tricky, especially with uh, animals that will potentially eat each other. Um, I've never had that problem. Oh, thank uh, God. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, I've, I've never had that problem. Not even with Womas. And to me, Womas are, uh, less trusting probably than blackheads in that regard <laughs> in terms of cannibalization. Oh, shit. Um, really? Because mine are together. I should really go check on that. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but their, uh, blackheads are autumn breeders, autumn winter breeders, Okay. So around October, I uh, introduce the male to the females, and uh, usually see copulation. And uh, I'm lucky that um, I have like an established trio. Um, they they all, you know, the the male, the the two females really like the male. Sometimes mm. that can be a problem where, um, you know, they they don't get along. They're not compatible, or you know, in terms of breeding. Uh, but I'm lucky that I have a, a male that, uh, and the females really like him. So, yeah, so we introduce them in, uh, in the autumn. And then usually uh, around January or February, you start to, uh, if you're lucky, your female will start laying on her side mm-hmm. and uh, tightly coiled up and, um, you know, with a lot of eggs inside her. And, um, yeah. So right, um, right, that's where I'm at right now. Oh, really? Okay, cool. So, <clears throat> have you done maternal incubation with them, or do you take their eggs and put them in the incubator? I take their eggs and I put them okay. in an incubator. Um, okay. The same setup, like I mentioned before, um, with you know perlite, really wet, and uh, usually two layers of uh, plastic wafer board, light diffuser, plastic grid, 
And then I gently place the eggs on there and uh, just keep them in the incubator about 88 to 89. And uh, high humidity, don't let the eggs get wet. If they do, you're done. <laughs> really? Yeah, getting the eggs is not the hard part. It's With blackheads, I find it's incubating them and, and get, getting them all the way through to hatching. I've had uh, some incredible, beautiful blackhead babies die in the egg right at the end. And uh, <laughs> so oh, that um, sucks. Yeah, just when you think you're, you know, you're about to make a touchdown, it's, no, they're all dead. So. <laughs> uh. Okay. Yeah, so you, you got to be very careful, and um, uh, you, they don't need a lot of humidity. Uh, you know, not as much maybe as a carpet, uh, a clutch mm-hmm. of carpet eggs, but um, you got to make sure that they don't get wet. Okay. Do you have blackheads? I do. I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the westerns a lot, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being tempted. I think they're actually the nicer of the. Uh, I don't know. I just like that contrast, you know. Yeah, they're they're interesting. They're a little more skittish than an eastern. Um, really, a little more high. Yeah, a little more high strung. Um, you know, I have a female, and when you walk in the room, she you know she jumps and looks at you and hisses and you know. But then as soon as you reach in and pick her up, she calms right down. It's all a show, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and the babies especially, you know, they, they really put on a show. And, you know, they, they hiss and open their mouths and coil back. And they, they lunge for you, but it's just a headbutt, you know. It's, right. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, the westerns are my favorite. However, it seems like the eastern forms, the bigger ones, um, you know, those are the ones where, where the morphs are starting to come from, you know. Right, but uh, but that the the western ones are just so darn beautiful on their own. So. Yeah, they are. Do you... Go ahead, Owen. Like, did you uh, when setting up the babies? Uh, have you are you the kind of a person who feels they have to force feed them right out of the egg, or are you to get them established? Oh, no. On their... no, no. Um, they hatch out with a big belly, you know, full of yolk. I mean, some of them, like, just roll around in the cage. They're so big, you know. They, <laughs> you know, they they wobble around. They have such big yolks. Um, you don't have to worry about feeding them for weeks. Uh, I wouldn't even okay. try offering them food for maybe six to eight weeks. And uh, they'll probably refuse it. You might get some that will take it. But, um, you know, as long as they still have good body weight, you know, just you got to wait them out. But uh, if you're the kind of person who can't wait and you got to try feeding them, um, I would start with uh, rat tails, you know, cut the tails off like, say, a medium-sized rat, and just make sure the end uh, where the bone is, isn't sharp. You know, just maybe hit it with some sandpaper to smooth it over or um, rub it on cement or something, and then mm-hmm. just uh, wet it, wet the end, and then just slide it down his throat. Awesome. That is very cool. So, um uh, with the Womas, is there any real difference you think about with the baby Womas or compared to the baby blackheads, or is it kind of, you know, a little bit, not too much, just a little bit different? Uh, in terms of getting them to feed, you mean? Yeah, or general care or, you know, uh, even the eggs. 
Uh, walnuts, walnuts, I think, are a dream snake. I mean, in terms of ease of management, um, they're really easy. Um, uh, you know, I think over the years, I mean, it wasn't always that way. You know, early on we had to figure it out, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, over the years and generations, we've now we figured it out. But um, uh, in terms of getting the babies to feed, no, they're they're pretty easy. I would say easier than a blackhead. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have pretty voracious appetites, and blackheads do too once you get them going. <clears throat> but uh, you got to be careful, again, uh, with feeding uh, blackheads. You don't want to feed them too much. Um, they are prone. Uh, folks talk about this fatty liver disease mm-hmm. uh, and, and other complications that they, they seem to be prone to. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but um, I, I always caution or caution on the side of, you know, feeding them less rather than, you know, pumping them with food. Right. They will eat as much as you give them. Uh, I also feed them uh, quail. Okay. Yeah, feed them quail. I I, I mix it up with, same with the Womas, give them quail once in a while. I'll give diamonds quail too or chickens once in a while. I think we had somebody say that they give their blackheads like turkey necks or trout, so it's not the weirdest thing we've heard that mm-hmm. have been chucked at blackheads. So uh, apparently they are just garbage disposals. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they're not too picky. Well, that's very cool. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, th- I'm tempted by the blackheads cause I have a pair of Womas. Um, but I'm also sort of nervous about dealing with them that uh, it, it's going to have to take some more convincing for me to make that plunge, but mm-hmm. they're gorgeous animals. I, I love oh, yeah. the westerns. So the westerns are spectacular. Um, I was lucky enough to catch one a couple of years ago on, um, along Eighty Mile Beach, um, where, where the Great Sandy Desert meets the Indian Ocean. Um, and I also wow. saw a beautiful, a really beautiful, high contrast black and white one, just smashed on the road, just flattened out. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> 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 You know, it was very sad to see. I didn't do it. It was probably okay. a, a road train or something. But uh, um, yeah, they're they're pretty spectacular. Right along that stretch of eighty mile beach there on that that highway that runs from Perth all the way up to Broome, um, they're they're pretty spectacular around there. Would, would that have been uh, your coolest Austra- like coolest herp that you found actually out in Australia? Would be the blackheads, or uh, what would that be? <laughs> Oh God! Um, I don't think I really pick one. I mean, it's hard to beat that that bredelie. The first, you know, that that first experience, that first encounter, you know, ever, and it's a bredelie. You know, it's it's hard yeah. to beat that. Um, <laughs> my my white whale, so to say, though, is a woma. Um, oh really? I, oh yeah. I have spent many many nights, thousands of miles, more money than I'd want to admit. Um, <laughs> trying to find one. Um, I've driven extensive. I hunted six nights on uh, 80 mile beach, back and forth, back and forth all night. Um, I, I've looked for them over in Northern Territory, Tanami Tract, Stewart Highway, the Barkley Tablelands, um, all over. Never found one. Uh, but, uh, I think I'm just going to stop looking for them 
and then and that's maybe when, that's when <laughs> one will appear. <laughs> that's when you'll find it. Yeah, it's it's when you it's when you're not looking for it, it's when it falls from the sky. So, right. but that is awesome. So, has there been anywhere? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you've herped pretty much all over Australia. I mean, is there a favorite spot that you're kind of you kind of want to get back to? Uh, I, I want, I would love to get back to Western Australia, to, to the Pilbara area. Um, I didn't spend enough time there last time I was there. Mm. The Kimberley north of there, uh, further north in Western Australia, that would be a really spectacular place to see. It's very remote, uh, very unspoiled. Um, but, um, but I want to go back and, uh, definitely hit, uh, New South Wales, the coast and, uh, so I can check Diamond Python off my life list. <laughs> so, that's definitely on the agenda. That's awesome. And, and and do you feel that it's kind of helped your keeping experience, having been to where these guys are from? Well, for me, that's part of the experience of keeping them. Um, you know, just looking at them in a box, for me, is not enough. Even when I was keeping you know, king snakes or corn snakes. When I kept mm. corn snakes, I would go down to Okatee um, and look for them down there and just look at the habitat. When I kept indigos, I went down to Florida. And um, When I kept gray banded king snakes, uh, I went out to West Texas a lot. Uh, when I kept Nuevo Leon king snakes, I'd go down to Mexico, down to the Sierra Madre, and I'd go around there. So when I started keeping Australian stuff, I have to go to Australia to see, you know, where they live, <laughs> see it, touch it, smell it, you know, roll around in the sand, you know, really uh, take it all in, take the environment in. It's so beautiful. And uh, that's, that enriches my experience of keeping them, you know, privately. So, yeah. Um, so did, did you have experience with, uh, you said, you said indigos. Do you have a, uh, was it Eastern indigos? Mm-hmm. Oh, I that did, is like yeah. my dream snake. How are how are those to keep? They are a lot of work. Okay. Um, very high metabolism. Um, they're messy. <laughs> um, okay. They, you know, they uh, eat one and shit three. Oh, great! Um, All right, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they are incredible. They're you know the iridescence and the power of them. You know, the the hold like a seven footer is. You know, and that beautiful red chin. Um, they're just an impressive, impressive animal. So, and it, is... I did catch one in Florida once. Oh, that's um, awesome. It, it's surprisingly that you find them the easiest in the winter, um, right outside their, their burrow, right outside a, a gopher tortoise burrow. Mm-hmm. I think we, we caught one like in January or February. So, again, you know, it's almost like a diamond python. They would emerge you know, on winter days when it's warm and uh, just sit outside their crevice or their burrow for, you know, an hour or two and, uh, you know, go back in. So, um, what, what kind of cage setup did you give them? Did you have to kind of give them a, almost like a Python size enclosure just because of their length? Yeah. And like I said, they're very active, you know, they're, so you really need a big cage for them. I kept mine in a six-foot cage, um, but they could probably, you know, they probably need an eight-foot cage, I would say, you know, to do it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot of work. Uh, like I said, they're, um, I, I, 
I think if you were to keep them, you, you know, they're usually the the people who keep those kind of just focus on those mm-hmm. because they're just so much work. <laughs> but, uh, uh, did you have any attempts to breed them or did you not kind of have them for that long? I didn't have them that long. Okay. Yeah. So, so that was your, it was your foray into the call you the big call you bridge. So yeah, the big guy. Yeah. yeah. So I, and I've heard they're kind of messy with that kind of stuff. And they, I, I think if they weren't, uh, uh, horribly illegal in Pennsylvania. I would have already uh, scratched that itch and uh, either done what you did and been like, that's enough, or I'd have an entire collection of indigos. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll get there. <laughs> so you can't keep those in Pennsylvania? No. For Eastern indigos, you have to get the special permits to keep them. Uh, right. I think Texas indigos, maybe, but I'd have, I, I'm not sure about that one yet either. But that's the unfortunately the rule um i can have a crocodile and a cobra but nothing native yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no you can't have that it's like okay thanks so um that's really how it goes um when it comes to your collection is there anything you think you'd maybe want to add that would kind of almost go hand in hand with your diamond pythons mainly uh have you looked at Boland's pythons at all? Oh yes, you read them. Oh mind. really? Okay. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean that those would you know, be nice to keep because you know, you know they're they're a cool temperature, you know, a, a cool climate snake, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be uh, too much of a struggle to keep them alongside diamonds. My biggest challenge sometimes is balancing you know, diamonds in the same room with blackheads mm-hmm. and, and bretoli and stuff like that. You know, it's, um, but yeah, Bowens would be nice. Um, I've thought about dipping my toe in the chondro pool. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if I want to go down that, I don't know if I want to go down that path yet. I, I, they are spectacular, but, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, like I said, I'm space is at a premium for me. Right. And, um, I have to be very selective. But uh, I do have bridal eye. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, no. I keep a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. I keep a few. Of those. I have a stone wash. Nice. I have the I have the hypos, and I have the uh, what's really nice are the uh, the A fours hypos that uh, Ralph has. I got a couple of those from him, and those are spectacular. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you, have you bred those, or they're not old enough? Oh no, I just got them this year. So. Oh, okay. Oh. Nice. Yeah, but those uh, I was really impressed with those. You know, those are that the the look of those is like what I dream, what I dreamt of. I mean, I had Bretelai years ago when they, you know, first were, when they were kind of new to the hobby. But you know, they like everyone right. else, they kind of just browned out after a while. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, these are the ones you wanted. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I kind of lost my enthusiasm for these big brown pythons. I mean, they're still incredible, but. Uh, like I said, I only have so much room. I couldn't keep everything, so I sold them. And but uh, years later, here I am again. I, I'm like, you know, I got the hypos <laughs> and the stone wash. So, are you keeping them the same way you keep your diamond pythons? Is that going to be your approach with them? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably keep them the same way. So, keep them lower in the room, closer to the floor, and you know, mm-hmm. keep them cooler. Right. So, very cool. Very very. They're cool. an awesome yeah. species. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I have the same type of. Uh, so I have a cold room and a hot room, and the diamonds <clears throat> are in the cold room. When I when I say cold room, it's not you know the other one's eighty two <laughs> degrees, something like that, ambient temperature, and uh, the bread lie will be moving in here uh, next because that's that. That's, <laughs> well, no, just not no. They'll be in here all the time, but it's just. Oh right, okay, know. yeah. Pretty awesome to have diamonds and bread lie and you know, I don't know. It's gonna be my favorite room, I guess. <laughs> diamonds yeah. diamonds, bread lie and bolins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they go. That, the problem is with bolins is that a lot of people who decide to go for bolins get rid of everything but the bolins yeah. and then they you're we lose you to that field. Yeah. So, you know That's another that's another snake that, you know, that guys typically just kind of focus on. You know. Yeah. And plus, they require a lot of room. Um, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Actually, a buddy of mine is going to Papua New Guinea next month. Um, oh, no I kidding. Gonna, I don't know if he's going to see any, but uh, he's going to the Bismarck Range. Um, I don't know. We'll oh, see wow. when he gets back. Yeah. That would be awesome, yeah. Yeah. You going looking for ring pythons? <laughs> yeah, that's what he's going for, I think. <laughs> oh, really? Cool. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Have you ever Someday worked with that? Someday maybe I'll go there. Who knows? <clears throat> I'm sorry. What have you have you ever worked with ring pythons or any of those? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, no, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're like a white lip python almost. I think that's what I equate them to. Mm-hmm. But they're like uh, skitsy, you know. I don't know. It's just like the fastest python that I've worked with. Really? Yeah, and mine's are still small, but they just like. I don't know. Pythons seem to me like they kind of just like kind of either stand their ground or they kind of move around like kind of slow. These things are like, like, like almost like a colubrid. It's, it's kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. What kind Man, of that would be so, do, uh, what, what kind, I keep what kind of temperatures do you keep those at? Um, I keep them a little bit cool. Like I keep them lower. They're they're in my normal snake room ambience, like in the eighties. I turn the heat off at night. Whatever the room is, um, hot spot of like eighty five, maybe something like that. Um, but I keep them lower down so they're a little bit cooler, not too hot. Um, I think the thing with them is just making sure that they, you know, stay hydrated, kind of like white lips, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing, but. Uh, very cool python and very very cool man i can't imagine seeing one of them in the wild (laughs) that'd be awesome yeah Yeah. holy shit plus some of the scrubs that are over there those scrub pythons that are over in that area is they're pretty badass too so i caught a couple scrubs in queensland that is really uh, oh yeah aggressive or (laughs) non-aggressive you know it's funny it's there's one we found stretched out across this road in the jungle um we got out and i walked up to it i picked it up right at mid-body and this is like a nine footer i picked it up right at mid-body and it was just like very placid but then my buddy walked around near the front of it and, he, and it lunged at him <laughs> it went for his face instead of mine so yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so they're imp- they're impressive. They're you know you, you hold them up by the tail, like way way up high, stretching their head is still like on the ground. You know it's and they're so active and curious and you know they're, they're yeah. spectacular. 
Very impressive. That's cool. Right. That's cool. Oh, man, we got to get to Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I listened to your show, and uh, it seems like you guys keep saying, oh, we got to get down there, we got to get down there. Well, we never go, right? I haven't hit the lottery yet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, actually, we've started the planning process um, for... Again. um, I think we're going to try to go around... February of next year. I think that's when we're going to try to go. Yeah. So, do you, do you what, let me ask you, you've been there. What time of year did you go? Do you find that there's a, a good time of year uh, to, to check things what out? What do you want to find? <laughs> Everything. <I> <laughs> Carpet python, diamond python, bread. Yeah. I don't care. Um, well, that bread lie I found in February, which is. Okay. Uh, you know, summer, middle of summer there, and very, you know, I think that's the highest, you know, rainfall month for that area of, of Australia. So they get a lot of rainfall in February, and um, so in the desert you might luck out, you know, as long as it doesn't rain too, too much. Right. You know, um, so so if you want to find Bredeli, I was lucky in February, so... Give okay. it a shot in February. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of diamonds, I don't know. I can't tell you, but um, they seem to be most active uh, in probably spring and summer. Um, okay. Probably autumn too. Um, and there's some areas where it's you know it's hot you know most of the year. So right. It's, um, but I've gone mostly in uh, you know between November and February. You know, if so. if I was going to see diamonds, I would like to start at like um, the intergrade zone and then work mm-hmm. my way down and see with my own eyes what the difference is. You know. Yeah, that's that's what I would really love to see too. Like, what is the difference? You know, in that habitat and the vegetation and the terrain and like, like you know, what what's going on there? And that that's it's supposedly a pretty small zone. It's not that big. Yeah, the intergrade zone and. Uh, you know, you, you don't find the diamonds and the coastals living together. They're, right. You know, they're not side by side. They're just, you know, these 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 pythons that look a little like both. Right. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I would love to see that. So. Yeah, I think that would be uh, fascinating. Because <clears throat> I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people's perception is just like what you just said. It's like, you know, a coastal's on this side of the river and then on this <laughs> side of the river is a diamond and, you know, every once in a while they cross over and meet each other and there you go. No, no yeah, no. no it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'd be curious to see in that area, I'd be curious to see like whether elevation makes a difference, you know, whether if you go higher up, what do the snakes look like? You know, do huh. they look more like coastals? And then if you go down by the the ocean a little closer, like what do they look like there? They look oh, more that like would diamonds. Be cool or, you know what I mean? Maybe elevation yeah. has something to do with it. I don't know. Right. Um, That's cool, though. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Spectacular. So you guys are going to go in February? Uh, Let's try. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about Owen, but like, you know, we, Owen's we going to try to sell go. every snake he can to go, and that's how we're going to do it. So it's really not you know. that expensive, right? I, mean, I know, it's not, but it's it's still crazy. got other stuff, you know. Jesus, it's not like it's like fifteen grand to go, right? Right? I mean, I don't right? know. Right? Oh. No. <laughs> uh, I sleep in cars, sleep in the back seat of the car, you know, just Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I know. I like I said, I will I will fix it and I will make my best attempt and I will sell all the baby snakes I can. <laughs> and you know, well, we'll we'll see where we're at. What it is is like, you know, because I know Owen needs like this length of time to get his shit together, so like we <laughs> give him a big cushion. <laughs> So that he can't He's have any excuses <laughs> because you know that if I go to to Australia and Owen doesn't come and I come back, he, he'll never hear the so end mad. of it. And I'll he'll be just so be mad. mad. He will. Uh, you'll you'll quit the show and <laughs> I will. It'll be it. That'll be done. That'll be the end of it. But uh, you know I mean, all right. it has to be the all coolest right. thing to see the snake that you keep and love and you know. But then, in its natural habitat, what is the temps like? What is the what is the environment look like? You know, what mm-hmm. does it feel like? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Exactly. You, know? you won't yeah. want to come home. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Was it difficult to get to Alice Springs? I'm just curious. From just just a plane goes straight there, or it's a plane ride. I've I've uh, I, I've driven there as well as I've taken planes there. Um, oh, wow. I drove with, I drove with some guys from, from Cairns, Queensland, you know, westward all the way out, um, to the Stewart highway and then straight down South to Alice Springs. You know, that was a different kind of trip. It was fun. Uh, long road trip though. It's like driving from Philadelphia to, uh, imagine driving from Philadelphia to like Oklahoma, <laughs> Oh wow! Herping all, <laughs> herping all the way, you know, and then turning around, and going back. Um, so it's roughly that distance. So, okay. But yeah, the flight from Sydney to Alice is only like two, two and a half hours, maybe. Okay. That's not too so, bad. That's not too bad. Nah, you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just rent a car. Yeah. Just hit the road. Is that like one of those trips where you have to have like uh, four extra tires, uh, sixteen things of gasoline? No. Oh, okay. No, I mean you're on. Well, I mean, you know, if you want to do it that way, you you know, if you want to go off road and really get way way out back, you could do that. But uh, I just pretty much stay on paved paved road. I mean, once in a while, I might take you know go off road a little bit. Right. But, um, you could just rent a regular car and just drive paved roads for thousands of miles and at night and just wait for stuff to cross in front of you. So gotcha. Cool. Just bring lots of water, you know, right. have a cooler full of ice, bring lots and lots of water and candy bars and things like that. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. <laughs> stuff to keep you sounds going like, just in case. Sounds like a hell of a good time. So yeah, that's a dream trip, man. Trains. Yeah, it is. Awesome. You watch out for candy the bars train. and carpet. Road, yeah. what was it? Road trains. Road trains, you know the big, the big trucks out there in the outback. Oh, oh, oh. Gotcha. That are hauling like cattle and stuff. They're like, you know, really, really long, and oh, uh, shit. the the roads out there are narrow. So when you see one coming, you 
you got to get off the road or get way, way over on the shoulder and just let them pass. And they kick up stones and dirt and everything, and they'll crack your windshield. And <laughs> so you got to oh, really wow. get off Yeah, they're big. Yeah. Nice. And uh, they, they leave a trail of death and destruction. <clears throat> oh, sure. Yeah. Kangaroos oh. and blue tongues. Oh, my God. Monitors <laughs> and everything's flattened. Great. All the all the cool stuff that you want to see just gets trucked over. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> cool. Um I'm gonna I guess Owen, you wanna hit on the uh the fun yeah. questions? <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Uh Dan, uh these are the, the interesting questions and uh I guess the first one we'll ask you is um what is your next reptile purchase going to be? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, uh, if I was to buy any, something else, maybe, uh, you know, I like those blue tongue skinks. You know, oh, I know really? A, yeah, I really dig those. Okay. Um, yeah. Casey Lazic has some, and he's got me interested in those. But, um, yeah, I guess if I was, I don't know if I will, but if, if I and my druthers, I would probably get one of those blue tongue skink. All right, that's they're 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 cool. They're cool. I mean, uh, <laughs> some people get people get passionate about them too. I it's either like uh, I think with blue tongue skinks, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. So it's like you get one, and then all of a sudden they're twelve. And you're like, how'd that mm-hmm. happen? So you know, that's <laughs> one of those things. Is there so. a particular species that you would want, or um, locality, or? Um, the shinglebacks uh, from West oh, Australia. Cool, yeah. <laughs> Those are cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. <laughs> that would, yeah. yeah. Let's see. That, I would even go for those. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, found, um, I caught like four of them in one afternoon. Like driving back to Perth. You know, they're just, when they're moving, they're like everywhere. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I would stop and like just help them off the highway. I was afraid they were going to get squashed, you know. Wow. <laughs> But uh, when they bite you, you know it. They have oh, really? Jaws. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I heard that. I heard it's not as. It, it's surprisingly like you know you don't expect this little thing to pack such a wallop. So. Oh yeah, they got strong jaws, man. Well, they eat uh, snails and stuff, right? So they, yeah, you gotta, gotta be pretty solid to crack a snail shell, I guess. Yeah. Next question. All right. The next question is, if you could work with any reptile species on the planet without limitations, whether they be by law or price or anything like that, what would it be and why? Hmm. Uh, man, probably uh, Bolins or an Owen Pelly Python. Yeah. Probably one of those two. Um Probably an Owen Pelly Python. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it just because you can't get it, or is yeah. there some other reason? You know, uh, I just think they're so different looking. You know, they've yeah. got these small heads and these long, elongated bodies, and these, you know, their girth gets bigger, but they have these long, long, skinny necks. And yeah, I just, and plus, don't they change color when they, at yes. night? They sort of yeah. faded yes. or something. That'd be cool to see. Yeah. It would be awesome to see, you know, and, and hopefully they're, cause they are, they were bred in captivity in Australia. So hopefully maybe 
<laughs> at one point mm. they'll come over here or something like that. So maybe if they get him to the zoo. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> well, it, it, if Ruffies can make their way over here, got to give it the chance. Um, but anyway, Dan, the next one is um, if you could travel anywhere in the world without limitations, whether it be by law or cost of money, where would you go? And if you were going herping, what would you be hoping to find? Uh, well, I would probably uh, want to go to the Kimberly. And, okay. Uh, make a beeline to Mitchell Falls and find a roughy. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's 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 my wheelhouse. If I uh, if I could find a roughy in the wild, I think I'd just die. So mm-hmm. you know that would be great. Uh, good choice. <laughs> that's a good choice. <laughs> well, um, the the last thing we have for you is uh, how would people get in contact with you if they want to talk some snakes or fire about uh how would they go about doing that um i have a contact page um uh, at serpentsonline.com you can reach me through there or uh facebook or facebook messenger you know hit me up cool well that's awesome and i mean uh, uh hopefully we can uh swap some herping stories uh when Eric convinces me to spend a ridiculous amount of money and go to Australia. So uh, <laughs> the next time we have you on. Yeah. When is uh Northeast Carpet Fest? Northeast Carpet Fest is in June. Uh, yeah. 9th? Yes. 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 And, uh, you're, you're in the Northeast. So you're in our, uh, you're in our territory. So you got to come to ours. So, yep. you know, before right you head to the other ones. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, cool. Awesome. Well, this has been fun, guys. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it again. Yeah. Come back from Australia with more stories. Always, please. <laughs> we, I live for that kind of stuff. I, I try to live vicariously through you guys so that I can keep putting off going. So, you know. <laughs> but... Thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, guys. Thank you. Good night. Yep. Uh, have a good night. Bye. <clears throat> very cool. Very, very cool, man. Uh, so are you going to get some diamond pythons or what, Owen? No, I'm good. <laughs> no. <laughs> we <laughs> we had that conversation. I, uh, uh, I I decided to back off on the diamonds, and uh, I'll wait. You'll You'll tempt me with diamonds at some point. I know you will. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they're cool, man. Yeah, I'm I hoping next, they are. Next, they are what? Cool. <laughs> they are. They are cool. It's just that 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 is it. It's just that I, I, I don't think I can. Uh, you know, obviously my office is not set up, and I don't want to. If I'm going to do diamonds, I want to do it right, and uh, I don't think I'm set up to do it right right now. So maybe in a year or so, I can fiddle with some stuff and get it going. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm hoping in 2019 will be my first shot at trying to breed them. So we'll see how that Damn. goes. Damn. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. It's, eh, let's see. <laughs> maybe by, maybe so. by 2019, I can actually get Maclots pythons or something else over here to breed other than carpets. Yeah. How's the breeding season going? 
Uh, I'm getting locks from a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, the the Womas were locked today. I'm getting a few carpet locks. Uh, so right now it's looking like Exanic, Car- Carmel Head Exanic, uh, Head Exanic, uh, some Tigers, uh, Zebra Clutches, some Jungle Clutches. So it's looking really good, but I'm not seeing anything out of this stuff that I was like really, really hoping for. You know, I haven't seen anything out of the Olives. I haven't seen anything out of the White Lips. Uh, I haven't seen anything out of uh, the water pythons and uh, I have seen a few things out of some of the colubrid stuff, but not a lot. So I know it's early, but you know, the the one thing that you really want to see is that's the first cage you always go check. So I'm like, ignoring the fact that there's all of my carpets are locked up. Appearing in the cage. So, you know, one of the seasons, I guess is what we're looking at, but we'll see. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I um I guess my season's going pretty well. I think um so I bred my original pair of citrus tigers together, which I've never done, which is kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> did you just realize that you're like I never did this? <laughs> yeah, I, I know I've always been breeding them to something else. So I bred that original pair and um I'm hoping to get some killer babies out of there. So that should be that should be nice. Um mm-hmm. And I've seen them lock up, and she has that, you know, I, I, I don't know if she ovulated yet, but um, I'm pretty sure she's close. Um, okay. I've only seen two locks from my uh, M-Pen Coastals, but um, <laughs> but it appears that she ovulated. So okay. I guess we'll see how that goes. Um Trying to think what else I got. Uh, I definitely think my caramel jag het granite that was bred with a granite zebra. Um, I think she's gravit and she's going into her prelay shed. Um, yeah, I I did. I I wasn't gonna do it, and then I did it. I paired up a granite zebra with my zebra het granite, uh, hoping for that uh, granite super zebra. Um, <laughs> What's that? Okay. Well, it, uh, well, it was a granite super zebra that I'm like, it looks kind of like a mouse python. I can say, was that it or was it something else? No, that's the one that looks like the uh, the Maclots python. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So I, I just think that's a cool look, and uh, I hope I, you know, I produce something like that. That would be pretty yeah. badass. Um, trying to think what else. You know. I, I have uh, an exanic zebra female, and I had a jag head exanic in with her. I don't know. Do you call it head exanic anymore after we talk to Nick? I, I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> Man, you're breaking up bad. Something with this whole thing has been messing up today. Yeah. It's not me. I got a new headset. It's your headset? No, it's not a new headset. It's not a headset. Oh man, yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> Put your hand up in the air or something, or hold on to a uh, hanger or something, a wire hanger. All over my head. Um, trying to think what else I got. That oh well, I think my uh, so I bred IJ head exanic to IJ head exanic, and I think she just had her prelay shed. So wow. I just gave her a nest box. Uh, she looks pretty solid. Uh, red tigers are looking pretty good. Um, 
trying to think what else. Uh, oh, the one that I was pretty, I, I was kind of, see, this is why you should never quit. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just like pull the mail out before, mm-hmm. you know, too early. I, I saw nothing from my ivory and my ocelot jag. Right. So I kept putting it off, kept putting it, you know, and I'm like, ah, should I just pull them? Should I just pull them? I felt her and she felt like, you know, that feeling that I don't know how to equate it other than she feels like a stuffed football, you know, like real hard and right. tough. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe she just goes late, you know, or, or, you know, maybe she just wasn't ready. And then the next day I saw them locked up. Um, nice. So Ivory Ocelot Jags, that'd be pretty badass. <laughs> so, yeah, it would uh, be nice. Yeah, I can't believe Mike hasn't made them, but um, I'm going to take a shot at it, see what happens. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, oh, and uh, another one that I'm pretty excited about is uh, the uh, Exanic to a Granite to make Exanic okay. Granite double um, she is gravid. Uh, that's cool. So she's a little bit on the smaller side, but, uh, she's, she's definitely gravid. And then I have a couple IJ clutches that, you know, still kind of on the fence with on whether or not they're going to go. Um, and then the other cool one is I have a, which I believe she's gravid too. I have a diamond jungle bred with a with uh, my Gamma Jag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be cool. I haven't done anything with the bread lie yet. I haven't, I haven't tried. Neither have I. I mean, not, it, not my guys yet. are still in. Yeah. I'm going to pull them out probably next week and put them into uh, the room for that stuff. So, right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it's, Oh, and uh, I did, I did do, uh, I really want an albino zebra. So okay. I did uh albino jag to zebra head albino again just to just to see if I can hit that. And uh I think that's it. I know I'm probably forgetting a couple. Oh, I did uh tiger to a caramel too, so we'll see how that goes. Oh really? Okay. That goes. Yeah. Of course my uh my goddamn albino and exanic female has not again. Not again. Well, not a, please no. Not this again. They have, they have locked more than any pair that I've got. But I don't she trust. Feels them. like she's a flat <laughs> football. You know, she's just flat. It's like nothing's going on. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. That pair, dude. That pair's been like. Yeah. It's time to change up. Change up. That male is yeah. good. I know. You know he's, he's just he's that female man. She must be. I don't know. Dude, I, I have an exanic female. I'll send her over. <laughs> it's, you know, it's dear God at this point. Yeah, I was going to I was going to go um I was going to just go albino to my zebra, exanic zebra, right? Right. And um well, I was originally going to do albino zebra jag, but that male, he just was I don't know. I think he was afraid of the girl. <laughs> He's a little bit on the small side, but uh or smaller side, I guess you would say. Yeah. But then compared to the female, so it was kind of like, you know, I I don't know. I just kind of I wimped out on that one, so I pulled I pulled him, and uh, you know I went at uh, I really wanted uh, Exanic Zebra Jags, 
So mm-hmm. I was like, uh, do I, do I wait? Do I not? You know? So I, I just said, if this, if I don't get double head snows this year, I'm just going to buy a pair. Of double <laughs> It's just Forget like, it. man, you know, like, Holy shit, man. I've been trying this project since like, I don't know, 20, what, 14 or 2015. It's like, Oh man, when is, I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully if, uh, you know, I get half that, uh, things will, things will be pretty cool. So definitely, you know, and, and taking the year off last year kind of got me excited about, you know, hatching babies out again. This, yeah. This year, going through all, all that fun stuff. stuff. So, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's the lowdown. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, next week it's just me and you. Um, cool. I don't know the topic yet. Uh, I don't we'll know figure we'll something out around from <laughs> topic to topic, but, um, that's kind of where we're at with that. It's been a while since we had, uh, me and you just, uh, shooting shit. So mm-hmm. that'll be next week. Um, and then after that, I think Ari's going to be coming back on. Uh, he just cool. got back from uh, Papua New Guinea, <clears throat> and he's going to be telling us about his his trips. And then uh, I don't know. I got to get cracking on the next round of uh, of guests. People, um, we gotta we gotta I gotta get back in touch with uh, with the guy that we were going to have on to talk about Gila monsters and stuff. So, yes, that'll be uh, something out of the norm for us. Uh, so. We'll see if we can get that going. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to hit on? Or you want to? Well, I mean, I got I got nothing we're gonna hit on. I mean, I do have a the to announce the show that I will be vending finally again. Um, and uh, you know, other than that, I think I'm good. Okay, so we'll just run down our list. Uh, yeah. I'm going to throw out the Southern Car- Carpet Fest info. It's this Saturday, February 10th, 1 p.m. It is uh, hosted by Dave Palumbo, Palumbo, Pythons, and Boas, Cape Carl, Florida. Please RSVP on Facebook event page. Um, it's all over the place. They got the auction going on. They're trying to hit that 10K. I don't know, Owen. They're kind of they're trying to like you know start this new standard of ten thousand dollars. I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> think we're gonna hit that. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna hit that because guess what? It's just me and you that do this. I don't have a fleet you have to of bid much. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have a fleet of fifteen people. I to, don't have uh, a team. <laughs> Christ, a Southern Carpet Fest team. It's just me and you. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, there's somebody else that jumps in and helps us. But for the most part, it's uh, when it comes to the planning and everything, it's pretty much me and you. I don't know. Maybe I could get Chris Salemi and uh, Rob Stone as uh, uh, cheap labor again. Get them. Oh, I mean, they did build your uh, fire pit for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. From the, from the way they told it, you were sitting on a chair, like, going faster, like, cracking a whip every five seconds. So, it was... I'm glad I kind of had to work. So <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite picture where they had, uh, they had them like, um, as the, uh, it was like in Egypt building the pyramids. Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, they're like, like Rob and <laughs> Rob and Chris pulling stones. Well, to build a pyramid. And, and Chris Salemi was like, you know, when Owen hosted it, all we had to do is come clean snake ages. What the hell? I'm like, yeah, I, what the hell? I should have had you guys doing shit. But, you know, 
Uh, but yeah, yeah. So so uh, yeah, and uh, I guess we should start talking about our Carperfest too. It's June. 9th. We should probably get on that at some time. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I figured let the southern southerners have their uh once their, their fun is over, we'll yeah. uh move on to the next. Um the but, OG, uh, you know. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so for us, uh MoreliaPythonRadio dot com. Uh our email is info at Python Radio. Um pretty much anything you need to know about us is uh is all right there. Um and for myself, ebmorelli.com. dot com you can check out what I have going on on my uh, breeding uh, breeding season page so you can see some of the pairings that I was talking about. I guess if you're interested in any of that and, you know, you're, you want to send me an email and ask about getting on a list or something like that, it's eric at ebmorelia.com. Uh, it's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, that Facebook thing, you know, like trying mm. to get, I don't know how you are, but like, if you're not direct messaging me on Facebook, sometimes I don't see it on the, uh, right. Well, sometimes I'm, I'm working and I can't respond and Facebook's like, Hey, you haven't responded to such and such. I'm like, I know. Will you get uh, Yeah. Uh, that, that gets annoying, but yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> ebmorelia.com and eric at ebmorelia and that's all i got cool uh what i got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com check out all the stuff we got going on at rogue uh and there's also rogue reptiles at facebook.com and i am happy to announce that uh we'll be vending the hamburg reptile show uh at the 24th of february once again so uh we'll be there with a whole bunch of our uh, 2017 babies that we got to get rid of because we got to make room for these 18. So, yeah, we'll see everybody there. Uh, that's all we got, and that's all uh, I got. So what we'll say is uh, have a good night, everybody, and we're going to catch you all back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.